Some people love Shakespeare, others not so much. But a Shakespeare adaptation is always a good time. Constellation Theater at 14th and T is featuring a musical called Desperate Measures. It's based off of Shakespeare's play Measure for Measure, but it's set in the Wild West. A gunslinging nun teams up with a sheriff and a saloon dancer to save her brother. Buy tickets now at constellationtheater.org. The show runs through March 17th. Once again, that's constellationtheater.org. Today on CityCast DC, there was a heated community meeting last week about RFK Stadium, and I'm here with CityCast's Priyanka Tilve and Julia Karen to break it all down. Plus, we're playing a news game and hearing directly from you, our listeners, about reactions to one of our previous episodes. And also, stick around after our chat. Our CEO, David Plotz, will be on for a conversation sponsored by Urban Pace about some exciting new homes and shops in Cleveland Park. Today's Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC is talking about. Julia, what is going on with RFK Stadium? As we all know, uh, the decrepit husk of RFK Stadium is just there, chilling, you know. But uh, it's very clear that Mayor Muriel Bowser wants to bring the commanders, the football team, uh, back to the site. So there was a meeting last Wednesday near the old RFK site at St. Benedict and the Moore Catholic Church. Uh, It was hosted by the Friends of Kingwing Park Civic Association, And Mayor Bowser met with constituents to ask, what should we do here? Uh, Because I would like a stadium, (laughs) you know? Uh, And and basically the big arguments that are going down here are like, are district residents going to foot the bill for the stadium? And what is going to happen to the land? It's clear that Bowser wants to make that RFK area into a new stadium for the commanders, but also have like mixed use development. She wanted, you know a core focus on getting control of the land from the federal government. Right now, there's a 99-year land lease that was just negotiated. They haven't actually fully approved that yet either, right? That's just out of committee right now. No. And if you thought not having a Speaker of the House was important then, guess what? It's important (laughs) now because they can't pass that legislation unless they have a Speaker of the House. So the longer we go without a Speaker of the House, uh, the longer that land is in question and the longer probably not the most pressing issue that the house is is delaying on but oh we agree but if you're a commies fan this is the most pressing issue that you've ever heard (laughs) in your life right (laughs) so basically the bill that they have that would basically extend the lease on the site for 99 years and then allow for like different uses it would allow for construction of like housing and businesses and stuff like that and one respondent basically made a play to city leaders saying This is a huge opportunity. Please don't blow it on a billionaire's playground, which drew applause from many who were in attendance. And by that, they basically mean that, like, Josh Harris, who owns the Commanders, is a billionaire. Why would D.C. taxpayers pay for that stadium when he can afford to build a stadium himself? Right. That's that's what they're trying to say. Yes. And and the other options with regards to having a stadium are like maybe they just like fix FedEx Field and like build it across the parking lot, build a new stadium. FedEx Field has is possibly the worst fan experience in the NFL. Like, it's kind of falling apart and it's terrible. Um, That's the other option right now. I just think that that point that the resident made is sort of worth teasing out a little bit because um, 
it does seem like in a city like DC, we have so many needs. Um, yes. Housing is chief among them. I can imagine that that sentiment of like, let's not blow this on building a billionaire's fantasy playland. Um, I can imagine that being a sentiment that a lot of residents also align with. Yes. So it's convenient that you mentioned that uh, because there was a survey that was floated out by the Friends of Kingman Park Civic Association. And so what do residents want? Well, they want like an open green space. Um, and like, yes, they want like a sports recreation complex, but they'd like to see it be like maybe for kids instead of just like one NFL team and they want new housing. That's what they want at this site. Surprise, surprise. Residents want things that are going to improve their quality of life. Who would have thought? Truly a shocker to everyone <laughs> involved in this conversation. Well, okay, wait, hold up, hold up. Devil's advocate a little bit here. I don't feel like having a new stadium is on the other end of that spectrum. Look at what Nationals Park has done for the Navy Yard area. Um, Capital One Arena is a stadium and like Chinatown kind of built up around it or at least got popular and busy around it. So like building a stadium and then also building housing and retail can create a whole neighborhood that does serve people and does make for an exciting space. I think talking about those two things as mutually exclusive doesn't make sense. I agree. I mean, I think it's about how it is done because I could definitely see a world where it's like, we just plopped a stadium here, hope <laughs> things build up around it. Mm. But um, yeah, I think if it's done with intention, that's really has an eye for what things are going to make that like residents want and things that are people are going to actually use beyond this one team. I think, you know, yeah, I think, I think it's possible to not have those be a binary if done with intention. It's convenient that you mentioned that point, Bridget, because Mayor Bowser has commissioned a study to figure out what's going down. And there's two parts of this, and they're going to be due in six to eight weeks. In the first part of this study, she's picked two contractors, and basically the contractors are going to make a report that recommend potential financing structures for supporting new stadiums or stadium rehabs. So in addition to like maintenance and upgrades for the current fixes that are there. Think like what it would look like at RFK Stadium if they needed to upgrade it and what other upgrades need to happen at like Capital One Arena and Nets Park and Audi Field. Okay. Um, that's part one of the study. Then there's part two of the study. And in that part, uh, it's going to examine the economic impact of sports facilities on surrounding communities. Basically, it's going to measure like job creation and tourism and local business opportunities Basically, it's going to look at the potential impact of teams relocating to and from the district and what economically that does to Ooh. a certain section of town. That's yeah. interesting. Okay, so that's basically them looking at like what Nats Park did for Navy Yard. Is that something that they can replicate or was that kind of a fluke? And if right. it is replicable, how would they do that? Exactly. That's exactly what they're looking at. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad they're doing that study. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Bowser was basically like, look, I don't want to take too long doing these studies. You have six to eight weeks to do both of these things. Yeah. I hope they can do them comprehensively in that short of a time. Yeah. Especially as we head into like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right. And I think the big thing that's top of mind for everyone is like, how are we going to use taxpayer dollars to finance a new stadium when there's like other pressing needs and issues that the city has? And obviously for the Kingdom and Park Association, like the big number one thing that people have voiced is housing like they they simply they want more of it because um, it's unaffordable and we are in a crunch so it'll be interesting to kind of see what these studies say and, and how this plays out over the next couple of weeks I don't know what do you guys think as you said Julia housing is a big issue in DC that's like 
I think it's an issue that connects to so many other issues in the city. So it's not surprising that folks want more housing. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really cool to see the space become something like another neighborhood to go to that has people living there, but also has cool restaurants and cool shops and like concerts and obviously football games. The brand new Arbor at Tacoma is built for your most convenient urban living. Whether you want to enjoy the vibrant Tacoma DC community or comfortably retreat into a sleek sanctuary all your own. The kitchens have striking dark navy and white cabinets and throughout the home, there are wood floors and smart home technology. Some homes even have a private outdoor space. With a quick walk to the Metro, you can easily head into downtown or stay close and enjoy the retail that's on site. Located at 218 Cedar Street Northwest, the Arbor Tacoma offers brand new one and two bedroom condos starting in the upper 300,000s. Visit thearborattacoma.com for more information. That's Tacoma with a K. So T-H-E-A-R-B-O-R-A-T-T-A-K-O-M-A.com. So let's play a little game. I'm going to give you three news stories, and you got to tell me which one is not true. All right. Oh, boy. Are you ready? We're ready. As ready as I'll ever be. Okay. Headline number one. A baby was born on the platform at L'Enfant Plaza Metro Station. Okay. Okay. Headline two. A vacationing D.C. couple was stranded on the top of the Eiffel Tower in Paris and decided, what the heck, let's get engaged up here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Headline three. D.C. was once named the sweatiest city in America. Ew. Which one of those is false? Which one do you think is not correct? Ooh. Okay, can you give me a recap? It's L'Enfant Plaza, Eiffel Tower, sweatiest city. That's it. Um, I'm going to say that the sweatiest city is false. Is that your final answer? You're locking in? I'm locking in. I disagree. And and the reason I disagree is because there was a story I saw recently about a woman giving birth aboard a bus, a metro bus. But I haven't heard anything about like delivery in L'Enfant Plaza. And because mm. I think those two things are like very closely like linked, but not quite true. I think it's the L'Enfant Plaza one. I think that's the wrong one. Oh, smart. smart. That is a very interesting and like strategic reasoning, but it's incorrect. Priyanka, you're correct. So DC, you win. Congratulations. So DC was not once named the sweatiest city in America. It was number two. We came in second. Honeywell, yep, the fan company and the consulting agency Environmental Health and Engineering did a survey back in 2017 and DC placed second. Any guesses on what was the, the, the first sweatiest city in America? Oh man. Ooh, okay. Is it in the Southern half of the country? It is not. Really? You would think, right? You would think that was my first thought too. I, yeah. My first thought was New Orleans, but that was it. New Orleans was on the list. How was it not New Orleans or Miami or like somewhere where you're just like you're swimming in sweat? New Orleans is ten. Miami is four. Really? Any guesses on one? Maybe New York. New York. Yeah. New York does get pretty sweaty. Yeah. yeah. Also, like I guess like the the subway stops can get oh, super super sweaty true. in New York, and especially during peak rush hour, the trains themselves as well. 
So a baby was born on the platform at L'Enfant Plaza on August 1st of this year. What? Um, According to the Washington Post, it was a 23-year-old new mom traveling on the Green Line when her water broke and an off-duty EMT escorted her to the train to deliver the baby. Um, It was a boy. And um, when this baby was born, they announced it on Twitter. Of course, jokes abounded because it's Twitter and it's DC. Um, Metro tweeted that the child would not have to pay an exit fare because kids under four can ride for free. Somebody else was like, well, of course the baby was late because it's L'Enfant Plaza and <laughs> oh it's Metro. Oh, my God. And fun fact, L'Enfant actually means the child in French. So it kind of makes sense. Oh, my gosh. Where was I on August 1st when this happened? <laughs> was my head just in the sand? Like, I, I could have sworn that was fake. Apparently not. What is happening? That's so funny. And... A, a vacationing DC couple that was stranded on top of the Eiffel Tower in Paris actually did decide what the heck, let's just get engaged up here. Uh, <laughs> happened last week. Somebody was climbing the Eiffel Tower while the couple was like visiting and up on top of it. So officials had to shut it down. This guy was planning on proposing to his fiance later that day at dinner. And he was like, oh, I don't know how long we're going to be stuck up here. So he figured this is the moment I'm going to do it now. Strangely, there happened to be a reporter from the AP also stuck up there. And when they got engaged, he wrote wrote up the story. Apparently, the person who was climbing up the tower who caused them to get stuck was involved in what sounds like some kind of a Billie Eilish related act of protest. Oh, my that God. He, had, he was holding some sort of a banner that said something along the lines of free Billie Eilish. So, yeah, thanks to that Billie Eilish related act of protest in France, this couple has the most epic engagement story I've ever heard. Dang. That is so bizarre. Like the Billie Eilish twist I did not see coming. Has Billie (laughs) Eilish responded to the to the protest and said like well wishes to the family or anything? We have not heard from Billie Eilish's people. Her camp has not released a statement, but we will keep you posted. Okay. wild. Hey there. This is Kayla from the CityCast team swooping in as the voice of God to say that, uh, whoops, Julia was right. The L'Enfant platform baby was born in 2013, not 2023. So if you felt personally called out for missing this headline, you are in the clear. Okay, onward. So Priyanka, I know that we've had a big response in the episode that we did about National Landing versus Downtown, right? Yeah. So we actually got this email that I wanted to talk about. It's from this guy named Sagar. And he said that he listened to the episode. He spends a lot of time working between downtown and National Landing. And so he wanted to tell us, like, first of all, actually, yeah, we could discuss this in pieces. Because first he was like, from my experience, downtown is not as dead as people make it out to be, especially Tuesday to Thursday. And so he was like, basically disagreeing with the, the idea that downtown is empty and National Landing is going to like usurp its its spot as the place to hang out. How do you guys feel about downtown? Have you been down there recently? I have been down there. I, I kind of agree. I went down there for dinner pretty recently and it was, you know, an evening, weekday. It certainly wasn't as packed as it used to be, but it, it was pretty lively. Like it, it wasn't like we were looking at boarded up shops and empty restaurants. The first place I went to dinner, we were turned away because it was too full. Oh, dang. Oh, yeah. Dang. I, I have not been downtown uh, in a bit, but I uh, I have tickets to go see the Washington Capitals in like the upcoming weeks. And I'm sure it'll be interesting to see kind of like what it's like during like a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Wednesday when like there's something going on downtown. I, I am curious to see if it's as packed as it has historically been. Yeah, fair. So going back to the email. So then Sagar goes on to say, 
But there's no doubt that national landing is thriving right now. It's clear to me when I'm a national landing that the majority of people walking around are there for work, especially, again, Tuesday to Thursday. Because of this, I've concluded that there's no substitute for getting people back into the office at least a few times a week. Those of us who care about revitalizing downtown need to encourage people to return to the office. Yeah, he says there's no substitute for a vibrant, transit-oriented, dense urban city. It rings hollow to me when I hear people who work from home and resist any efforts to return to the office, but then also complain that Central D.C. is suffering and crime is rising. Lots, lots in there. What do you think? So I, I really value this person's perspective. I worked from home way before the pandemic. I was always a remote worker. I think that it should not be on me as an individual, to revitalize downtown. I think that having the onus be on individuals getting back into the office as the only thing that can revitalize downtown, I think shifts the responsibility away from civic institutions onto individuals in a way that I'm not comfortable with. That said, I totally understand where this person's coming from, that you kind of can't have both. You can't have, I never leave my house for work, I'm always at home, but also I want there to be a revitalized downtown. I, I understand, I, the tension that he's pulling out is a really insightful one. I think that's a really good point. I do think that it should be first and foremost on the city to make downtown the place we want to hang out or on offices to make people want to come back to the office. Like I know a lot of places have been doing like free lunches, try and entice people to come and check out whatever the week's food truck is, uh, more than it being on the individual. Yeah. I mean, you could also be in my brother's shoes and they're forcing people back to work basically almost every single day of the week, except for Mondays and Fridays. And like, if the onus is on business to do that, then like, I don't see why more businesses are just like, you know what, you're showing up Tuesday through Thursday. See, I think that people who make hiring decisions, and my understanding is that that sentiment has not gotten people back into the office. And people are like, well, then I quit. I'm going to find a remote mm -hmm. job, right? And so it's like, again, I think that anything that puts it on the individual is is negating the fact that there are certainly many reasons why downtowns don't feel as as lively as they once did. Just being like, people who make decisions for companies should be arbitrarily requiring butts in seats on Monday through Friday, nine through five, I don't think that's working either. So I think it's a more complex problem than just people need to be back in the office. I think that people's sentiment around the office has changed. We're in a different place and pretending like we can just like snap our fingers and go back to 2019 pre-COVID just like isn't going to work. Yeah. And especially when they've proven that productivity hasn't taken a hit. So if they want people to go back into offices, they need to say why. Don't make me come into an office just for the sake of it, just because you just you have to pay rent like that stinks for you, but you're paying the rent regardless. So if you want me to come back into the office, give me an actual reason for why it's good for our team or good for our company. Exactly. And it's like, I didn't tell you to buy that office space. Like somebody totally. else made that choice and nothing to do with me. Why should the onus be on me to sort that out for you? It certainly should not be. Totally. But the other part of this email that I thought was really cool to talk about was the bit about National Landing. Um, Sagar had said that he saw a lot of people hanging out around there. What do y'all think about National Landing? Now, again, no one actually uses the name National Landing. So we're talking about Pentagon City, Crystal City, and Potomac Yard um, and the like neighborhoods around those three metro stops. I was going to say, don't you mean Nala? I don't oh, know. God. I'm not familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Something I didn't know is that you can drink while you walk around. I think that's really going to entice people. Like if I don't, there's not many places that you can walk around drinking alcohol. 
in DC. There are probably some that I'm forgetting, but there's not a ton. So I think that would definitely entice people to want to hang out there in my book. Yeah, totally. That's specifically for the water park area, Mm. which is right next to the Crystal City Metro stop. So it's like this new zone that they've just opened up. They're calling it water park, which I think is really confusing because it's not like there's no water slides or anything. Don't get it twisted. It's just like a nice little I think there's like a pond and then there's a bunch of restaurants and stuff around it. It does not bode well for the place that when I was trying to find it, I was Googling like water park, water park Nova, water park DC, water park DC suburbs. And it was like King's Dominion instead or something. Yeah, like all of these like actual water parks kept popping up. And I was like, I just want to find out the name of the place where you can go and eat and walk around and drink. So clearly not a lot of people are Googling it, which doesn't bode well for them. But I do agree, Bridget, that that is a very enticing aspect of it that you can sip and stroll. Yeah, no, I I think in both cases, it's all about incentives, right? Incentivize me to come to National Landing. Incentivize me to come to downtown. What is in it for me that I can go to downtown and just like live my best life? I want to know. Incentivize me to be there. And if that's walking around with an uncorked beer, I'll take it. Julia, Priyanka, thank you so much for helping me wade through all of these stories. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Bridget. And listeners, stay right there. In just a second, we've got a segment sponsored by Urban Pace Real Estate. CityCast CEO David Plotz is chatting with the company's sales director about how you can get in on a beautiful new development in Cleveland Park. Hi, I'm David Plotz, and I'm here with Jennifer Felix, the sales director of Urban Pace. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, David. Thank you for having me. So we're here this morning, Jennifer, to talk about something that's very near and dear to me, which is a development in Cleveland Park that you're part of, the Loggia Towns development. Most of the homes in my neighborhood, I live here, they're either apartment buildings or they're big, expensive single-family homes. But you have just built something that is very different. What is the Loggia Towns development? Yeah, Loggia Towns is a collection of four townhomes. They're all a little bit different as far as their size and their layout. It is also encompassing retail which is always important to the neighborhood. And it's also got this really cool pedestrian park to it. So it's beyond just the townhomes, which I'm here to talk about, but it's also about the enhancement of what Loggio is going to bring to the very well-established neighborhood of Cleveland Park. What about the townhomes? How big are they? Do they have any special features? So the townhomes are really cool because, as you know, going into Cleveland Park, we had to work with the Historic Preservation Review Board. So Logio Towns and also the retail strip is kind of mimicking this very cool Art Deco structure. The four townhomes are all a little bit different. They're all going to be three stories, but they're going to basically range from almost 1,200 square feet up to about 1,700 square feet. So the smallest one is going to be two-bedroom two bathroom. One thing that's really cool about it is the ceiling height. You're going to be dealing with nine and a half foot ceilings throughout, which always makes that space feel bigger and really, really nice. They also did a really cool job with the windows. And I know it sounds funny to talk about windows, but I'm a little obsessed with them. They are kind of industrial. They're really large. They have these black panes. They look very 1920s, but just by the sheer size It's so much light into those homes. There's a lot of thought given to just, you know, the size of the bathrooms, like they're decent sized bathrooms. And also most importantly is closet size. Um, And it's not cookie cutter. 
So it's right at the corner of Connecticut Avenue and New York Street. Yes. What kind of retail are you bringing in there? You're going to have an orange theory. Nice. Which is fantastic. And then you're also going to have a fresh baguette. And I don't know anybody who's not excited about warm baguettes. That is fantastic. There's also going to be a pop-up florist. So it is definitely going to enhance the neighborhood. And then the restaurant is a really cool concept, but it is not a signed deal. So we can't disclose who that is. I've been watching this building go up for months. And it's so exciting for those of us in the neighborhood who've been waiting for something cool to come in. How much will Elogia Town's home cost? So we are still finalizing our pricing, but definitely starting at a million um, and then going up from there, but definitely staying under two million. As you mentioned, this is in Cleveland Park, my neighborhood. There's so much good stuff happening in Cleveland Park. There's so many good restaurants. There's so much activity. There's new things coming in. What's your favorite aspect of Cleveland Park? The thing about Cleveland Park, which I don't think a lot of people realize, even Washingtonians, is going up to Cleveland Park, you literally can eat the world. So like you have Duke, so you've got a great hamburger. You've got the craft eggery, so you can go and get eggs. You also have Sababa, which is Israeli food. You've got 3321 Bistro DC, which is Tex-Mex. So I think unless you live in that neighborhood or close to it, you don't really realize all of the flavors of the world that you can be part of. To be honest, my favorite is going to be a little blackbird. And I love the playful pairings. Who doesn't love drinking wine with some junk food? Yeah, my girlfriend and I tried to go there the other night. It was too crowded. So we went to Sababa, actually, Okay, which was delicious. How can people learn more about Loja Towns? Probably the best thing to do would be to register on our website. Once we are ready to start sales, we will send an email to anybody who's on that list. I think it's important to note we're not doing like this kickoff fun party. It's actually going to be an active construction site. So it's actually going to be hard hat tours. So get ready to wear a hard hat, long pants, and closed-toed shoes. It's going to be fabulous. That is going to be amazing. That is going to get people in the door. I definitely am going to kick off my Birkenstocks and get some boots on and come see it. Fantastic. We'd love to show you around. Jennifer Felix, Sales Director of Urban Pace, thanks for joining us on CityCast. Again, check out thelogiatowns.com to learn more. We'll have that link for you in our show notes as well, so you are just a click away. Thanks for listening. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend who maybe would hang out in Nala? We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.